Fresh Fiction Podcast is brought to you by Ravel and Bethany House Books, who is celebrating the release of The Heart's Appeal by Jennifer Delamere this March. This historical romance brings Victorian England to life as aspiring Dr. Julia Burnet, yes, you heard that right, a woman doctor in the 1800s, tries to navigate her studies while falling for a disgraced barrister named Michael Stevenson, whose only goal is to repair his family's reputation. Sparks fly as Julia and Michael try to fight the attraction they feel for each other while searching for common ground. You can buy The Heart's Appeal by Jennifer Delamere in bookstores and online today. Hey guys, welcome back to the Fresh Fiction Podcast, where we break down all the fun things we've watched, read, and listened to this week. I'm your new best friend, Gwen Reyes, and today I'm reviewing the newish newish is loosely a term I'm using today, Netflix series Nailed It, as well as sharing my thoughts on a recently launched podcast series about the American First Ladies called Ladies, First. And after the rundown, I'll interview suspense writer Mark Greeny about the newest book in his Gray Man series, Agent in Place. So let's just get right into it, shall we? I'm talking to you after finishing four out of six episodes of Netflix's latest foray into cooking shows. Fans of the streaming service know they have long featured cooking shows like Chopped and The Great British Baking Show or The Great British Bake Off, Um, but Nailed It is something unique and wholly Netflix. Equal parts quirk and discomfort, each episode follows three amateur bakers who want their chance of recreating some of the most beautiful and iconic Pinterest treats. Nailed It is a tongue-in-cheek reference to the epic fails many non-professional bakers endure as they try to take those pictures and turn them into something presentable for their children's fifth birthday party. The name is also a nod to the popular blog Nailed It, where pictures of these disasters haunt the bakers but bring the rest of us pure joy. In this episode, a different judge helps our shining star, Nicole Byer, who, by the way, guys, if you are not following Nicole on Twitter, you are not living life right. So each episode, she's joined by her uh, French sidekick, chocolatier Jacques Torres, who some of you might know from Martha Stewart, and also if you're lucky enough to have gone to New York and eaten at his amazing chocolate restaurant. It's so good. I highly recommend it. The two of them are joined each episode with a third judge. Changes every single time. At least I haven't seen the same ones in the four that I've watched. The three of them put their heads together and decide who is the least failure of them all. It reminds me a lot of Cook or Con, which is on the Food Network, but thanks to Bayer, the show, the show is way more entertaining. I do feel a few, at a few times, especially in the third episode, secondhand embarrassment for the contestants. There is a guy who burns chocolate in the microwave so badly that it smokes out the whole kitchen. And then he does it again. And again. But as I finished episode four, I was falling in love with everybody. I also love the two-part challenges. One easy warm-up like challenge where the winners walk away with a mixer or cake decorating kits. And the final more difficult challenge where the contestants are tasked with creating an elaborately decorated cake that clearly caused many of them to have panic attacks. So the person that survives those those challenges at the end, the second challenge, wins $10,000. So it's a good opportunity for many people involved. A lot of them are entrepreneurs or or parents, so everybody's looking for an extra... uh, 10G, looks like. And so good for them, as Bear sets everyone up with a panic button, 
So anyone who is having that panic attack does have a chance to um, kind of have a moment with some of the judges to help give them some guidance and some advice. And the loser of the first challenge receives an extra helping hand of either buyer distracting the other two contestants or the power to stop time for everyone but the loser. It's all in good fun, and I had a I had a blast watching it. I can't wait to watch more. There's two more episodes of the season, so there are six episodes total, and you can catch that all on Netflix. As for what I'm listening to this week, well, I got stuck listening to terrestrial radio the other day because some brilliant person, clearly me, left her phone at home. No phone means no podcast for me. So instead, I turned into our Dallas PBS station, KERA, just in time to hear an interview with a director from the George W. Bush Presidential Library. The guests shared information about their newest exhibit about American First Ladies, and I was sucked in. I'm a bit of a politics and news junkie, so this conversation had me for the entire drive. And near the end, she shared that the Institute just released their very own podcast, Ladies First, which is uh, intended to accompany the, lady, the First Ladies exhibit. There are only two episodes available currently, but they are, they are 10 minutes long and dig into Martha Washington's insistence on opening the presidential home to the public, how Florence Harding, Nellie Taft, and Ellen Wilson each defied the status quo during their time, and the effects of soft politics can have in motivating the nation and the world. The show definitely made me want to visit the presidential library to learn more about these extraordinary women and their place in history. Well, that's what I'm listening to and watching today. After this quick break, I'll be back with author Mark Greeny. Well, um, congratulations on the release. Thank you. Are you excited to still be writing about the gray man? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, yeah I write other things, so it's always nice to come back to that because mm -hmm. it feels very fresh because I've taken some time off each you know, year and then I'll go back to it. Do you do? Do you usually do about like um, like one every other year? Is that? Normal? I've done one a year ex with a couple of exceptions okay. since it came out. So I've written two books every year since 2009. But um, one year I did two Tom Clancy books, and another year it didn't like come out till the following year. Uh, the Gray Man book. So um, yeah, seven and eight years or nine years. Well, let's start with the very beginning. I want to go back to your childhood. <laughs> uh, tell, me, tell our listeners a little bit about you. Well, um, I'm born in Memphis, Tennessee. I uh, studied political science, international relations in college. Didn't do anything with it for the longest time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say up until I, I became a writer. Right. Um, worked different jobs, mostly like sales and marketing. Living in Memphis, but occasionally uh, spending a lot of time out of the city. I lived in Miami for a couple mm -hmm. years. and. Um, spent some time in Europe and in Central America. Oh my gosh. And I worked for a medical device company in Memphis, but I'd been working on a novel for literally 15 years, and, oh. and I finished that, and nothing happened with it. Mm -hmm. And um, I really didn't, I didn't try very hard. I was just sort of like, my, my joke is the internet was invented while I was writing the book. <laughs> so like, I was able to like go online and see how to get published, which mm -hmm. I couldn't do as I, you know, the first 10 Absolutely. or so years I was working on the book. So I finished that in 2005, learned like about you know what, how to get published, and it was basically like, don't do what you just did, which was write this big massive novel with God knows how many characters in it. So I wrote something else, and I got that in front of an, an agent, and um, he liked the writing, but didn't think it was a marketable story, so I wrote something else for him, mm -hmm. and he's like, you know, I like this main character, the gray man, but 
you have this subplot about these guys who are after him, and he's like, that's more interesting than your main plot. So he's like, if you wrote a whole other book with this guy and this subplot, you know, fleshed out, um, and you know, which was depressing for like two days I was because ask, he's how my did you third, feel? Uh, literally 48 hours of just like he'd said at the beginning, he's like, you know, there's there's agents that would represent this, but I think you can do a whole lot better. And I, I wanted to just be like, mm -hmm. can you give me some names of the guys who would represent this? Because I'm going to them. But I, but he was absolutely right. And then I, I wrote Gray, Gray Man in six months, just two hours a day before going to work every morning. And, wow. uh, and, and it, you know, he was, he was right to send me back to mm -hmm. the... Well, I bet it was probably at that point very important for you to work with him as well. Yeah. Oh, I, I, he was the first, he's the one agent that I've wanted from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I literally, it's like, all right, how do you find a literary agent? And I read somewhere you find somebody that represents stuff that you like. So um, I'm a big fan of an author named Ralph Peters, who's not nearly as big as he should be, but I looked to see who his agent was and it was, it was this guy, Scott Miller. And so that's, that, awesome. I started pursuing him in 2006 uh -huh. and we didn't get a book deal until, yep, or yeah, early 2006, we got a book deal like mid-2008, so it was two and a half years to get wow. it together. Yeah. Well, it's still a pretty good story, though, because yeah. it was like you didn't have to toll away for like another 10 exactly. years after you Exactly, and, and I always early. felt like I was falling forward, you know, mm -hmm. like if, if, if he didn't want to represent it, but he gave me good feedback, and he's like, if you do this, and so... You know, I felt like I sort of had this agent interested enough in me, which I didn't have for the first 20 years I was trying to write books or whatever. So I was like, I, I mean, I joked that I literally wrote The Gray Man for this one guy. How <laughs> you <know>? funny. <laughs> that's, my readership was this one guy. I wanted yeah. him to like it. And, uh, and so that's what I did. Well, thank goodness there's other readers that really yeah, think yeah, We're like, yeah. oh, we wanted this one too. I mean, that's the thing about having a literary agent. It's like their their job is to know what people want to read. Mm -hmm. So if they like you, then that's a pretty good bet. You know, you're Absolutely. gonna you're gonna get on. And so the Great Man's your only series that you do that because I know you do the Tom Clancy mm -hmm. books as well. Yeah, I did seven Tom Clancy books in six years, but I stepped away okay. after um, True Faith and Allegiance, which came out at the end of 2016. So I've right. just been out for a year. Um, I still wrote two books this year. I have another book that's going to come out next year that's not a Gray Man novel, and um, hopefully it'll turn into a series as well. But for now, it's just a standalone. Was it always important for you with the Gray Man series to make it a series, or did you think it was just going to be a standalone and, and you would yeah. leave court behind? You know, people ask me that a lot, and, and I hear other authors being asked that, mm -hmm. and they always say, you know, I had this idea and I had this idea. and. I was literally just trying to get published. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wasn't thinking about book three, book five, or whatever. It's like, you know, so far there hadn't been a book one, you know, and I'd been at that for a while. So I didn't think about it being a series. You know, it would be kind of a dream that they'd want me to do another and another. And so even before the book came out, they asked me uh, to do two more. So at that point, I knew it was a series. And I always tell people that want to be authors, it's like, just concentrate on book one. You're, you know, your editor will force you to do it into a series if, if it's good enough you right. know, and that's a good problem to have so with with court's journey over the last seven books because mm -hmm. we've got another one coming out there's another one coming out next year for Wade, or yeah that'll be number eight number yeah. eight will be next year okay yeah. that's what i thought so over the seven years he's had many different iterations of like being you know f fired from the cia and kind of putting on a burn notice sort of thing yeah. and then going out and becoming a freelance assassin and now he's back working for the CIA. Like, how do you kind of just, or not justify, but how does court justify, like, sort of that tug and pull within that that journey he's gone on? Writing it, the idea was that I wanted there to, each book to be a total standalone mm -hmm. novel so somebody could pick up book six and, you know, know what's going on. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to sort of have this longer story arc that 
if if you read them in order or if you like read them all, you'll see how things develop. Mm -hmm. So that was my sense of it. And I and at the very beginning, I teased you know the fact that CIA was after him and he didn't know why. And I knew that you know if I was lucky enough to have four, five, six books, I needed to put an end to that story and not just make this this you know like never-ending tease and he never knows mm -hmm. what it is and is you know then it's just kind of a device you know so right. I just wanted to like make the story a little bit richer than that so he ends that and um, the things that happen in the book where he ends that backblast teach him to that he can trust one or two people in the CIA really just one he thinks too and um, and so he's not an employee of the CIA anymore but he's a he's a contract agent and that works for the CIA because he is a deniable asset. He's the, mm. Everybody knows that the CIA is trying to kill the gray man. Yeah. And, and, or everybody you know, on the inside of these things knows that. And so the fact that he could do jobs for them, is, he's like the most deniable, deniable asset that they could have. So that's the idea. That's to get the next, you know, the story arc going for the next few series. In my new book, Agent in Place, he is working freelance because he doesn't just work contract for the CIA. He's he's retains the right to do jobs he thinks are righteous or noble or whatever. Right, so, which is kind of a really interesting twist for him. Yeah, I don't want to make him too goody-goody. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't have this moral compass that is always like doing the right thing. And some, you know, ultimately he does the right thing, but a lot of time he's kind of kicking and screaming and so whine, whining about it. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I didn't want to make him too perfect or anything like that. Um, I wanted to show he's got vulnerabilities and faults and all this other stuff. He's not Captain America. And um, that that's why I wanted him to be able to go after these operations that he believes in. And, you know, as a writer with a series, it's great to have, like, different angles to go, mm -hmm. to go after as well. So where, within the, the story frames, where have you actually got... Uh, been able to visit to do your research. Have you gone any of? Obviously yeah, yeah. not Syria. Maybe. No, I didn't go to Syria. I looked into it. Um, I for for most of them, I've been somewhere. For the new one, Agent in Place, I went to France because mm -hmm. a lot of it takes place there. I've been to like the Mexico, the sort of the bad side of Mexico for one of the Gray Man books, and um, I've been to Ireland and uh, Germany for another. I went to Estonia and Sweden. So I've. I've traveled for virtually all of them mm -hmm. someplace, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. What's been your favorite place that you've gotten to visit? The best research trip I did was for a book called Dead Eye because it was uh, December and I went to Estonia and Sweden. Oh, and uh, where I live in Tennessee, West Tennessee, the low flat part, um, we get almost no snow. Mm -hmm. So I'm in a blizzard in Stockholm and like a foot of snow That's in so a cool. few hours. It's just the neatest thing mm -hmm. for me because it's so out of where I normally am and I, all these medieval places in Estonia and um, I went into Belgium and Germany and, and stuff and that was by far my best uh, you know like research trip and so it's like I always think of that book fondly because it's like wow that was so cool to be now there. Now you have to put Cork back there. I want to put it back yeah <laughs> and so I have other ideas like you know I want him to go to Greece because I've never been to Greece I think that would be pretty cool but I don't want it to be this mechanical thing like sure. where he's going to he's going to the Four Seasons and all the you know in, in Fiji or whatever it's like I don't really know how you'd have a good spy novel. There. So with Cork does he like um, when you're coming up with ideas for the different stories, does he kind of never shut up in the back of your head? Or does he, like, sort of, like, deciding where he's going to go, what the case is going to be, or do you see something from the news headlines and that pulls you in? That kind of gets my ball rolling, mm -hmm. you know, just keeping up with current events. But it's, when, when you write two series a year, 
for six months you're not working on it but right. when I'm out walking my dog or whatever I'll start thinking about like what's in the next gray man and you'll just get these little kind of either a big macro idea like I want him to uh, you know go to deal with the Syrian civil war or the mm -hmm. you know the uh, the Syrian president has a mistress which is the agent in place and um, and I'll just sort of start from there and then sometimes it's literally uh, just like an action scene or something that I think would be cool and it's like all right how do I craft a story around that and I start from there so it's different ways but you know when you when you do a book a year you have a certain number of months to just kind of think about it mm -hmm. and then you have a certain number of months where you just have to sit there and be writing yeah. it so you have to have your ideas together pretty ready to go and yeah. you're probably you probably outline versus I do outline and for, for the main reason I outline is because my editor wants to know I'm work, what I'm working on for the next six months you know <laughs> um, and so I think I could get away with less of an outline, but I like to write something maybe 10 pages and give them that. And I never look at it again after that because um, you, you write the outline before, or I, I write the outline before I've done any research or anything. So it's all my just pie in the sky, just mm -hmm. making stuff up that seems cool. And then as you start to do the research, you get a ton of new ideas because you're, you're pulling in all this information. Absolutely. But at the same time, some of the you know the Flash Gordon ideas you had. You're like, oh, that's ridiculous. You know that wouldn't work or whatever. So, um, I do write an outline, but I don't like slavishly check it as I as I write the novel. So one of the things that we like to do with the Fresh Fiction podcast is we like to know what you're reading, what you're watching. It can be like movie, TV mm -hmm. show, mm -hmm. and what you're listening to, either music or if there's an audio book or a podcast that you're really interested in, just to kind of get uh, to know what your recommendations are for people. Okay. Um, so right now I'm doing some research for for my next gray man, which is not very uh, exciting and it's certainly not fiction, but <laughs> fiction-wise, um, reading, um, I'm one Jason Matthews book behind, oh, okay. uh, he wrote Red Sparrow, mm -hmm. which is gonna be in a movie. And um, so his new one just came out a couple weeks ago, I yeah, think. I think like, yeah, like beginning of February, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I've had Palace of Treason on my nightstand for about just two years. Yeah, because I, you know, I did Clancy books and I you know, had all this other stuff going on. And, every, and I would have to, I read a lot of fiction to write blurbs for people, mm -hmm. you know, like so something that's not coming out for a year. So there's always this list of things I have to be write, reading, but I'm always, that, that's the one book. I loved Red Sparrow so much, just so genuinely loved it. Didn't know him, there was no like connection or anything. I just, yeah. some people talked about it and I read it and loved it. Um, so that is the thing that I've just started and hopefully I can get through it pretty quickly. Um, I listen to audiobooks every day, so okay. um, honestly, today I was listening to my book, Agent in Place, because it's... How it, cool! Yeah, I never read the books after they come out, okay. but I like, I really like the guy that does the, the narration, mm -hmm. so I do like to um, just see how he does it, you know? So yeah. I probably, I won't listen to it all the way through, because I'm... get a good idea. Yeah, yeah. It's not, I've, well, you know how it ends. It's, yeah, I know how it ends, <laughs> how it begin, begins, I know pretty much all chapters, but, um, but so that's, you know... What else? Uh, I've, I've listened to some non-fiction military stuff mm -hmm. recently. Um, there's a, a book called Outlaw Platoon by Sean Parnell, and I just listened to that. It was really good. Um, so that's that. And, uh, oh, TV series. So um, Counter, Counterpart? Have you uh -huh. heard of that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's on Stars. It, is, it couldn't be With, any uh, better. With uh, Simmons, right? Yeah, J.K. Yeah, Simmons. Simmons. Mm -hmm. It couldn't be any better. It is the just an incredible spy story for people that don't know. It's... It's uh, an espionage series, but it's about, uh, the best way to explain it is 30 years ago, um, the universe sort of split, and now there's alternate universes, and there's a pathway between the two of them, so one side is spying on the others, and so everybody's got a double on the other side and all that kind of stuff. So it, 
if someone told that to me, I would think that just sounds too fantasy or too science fiction right. for my taste or whatever. But it is a good spy story. It's, it's so grounded in reality. Yeah, which is it's what super, makes it relatable. It, absolutely. Yeah. And um, and then it's you know it takes place in Berlin, which is just a great place of intrigue and, and spy stories. So I watched that. We like the uh, my wife and I watch the Alienist. We like that. Are you liking the Alienist? Yeah, yeah, I like mm-hmm. it. Have you watched it? I saw the first two episodes. Yeah, that was a little gruesome. It is gruesome, and yeah. it doesn't get less gruesome. It does, and that was my thing. It's like when <laughs> yeah. they had the one scene it, where it goes through the eyeball. And I it, was like, yeah. oh god. Yeah, it's like all right, you're just doing it to do yeah. it at this point. Yeah, there's a lot of that to be honest with you, but I. I think it's really cool how they, you know, show New York and, mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. Um, and then we watch, you know, we, we loved Westworld when it was out. And, so um, and then the other one, we've been watching Waco, which I think is on. Are you liking FX. Waco? Yeah, yeah, I think he's, they're doing a really good I think job so with too. that. It's really interesting. Yeah, it was. Um, it, I, rem- I remember when all that happened, you know, and I mm-hmm. sort of read books about it and everything afterwards. And I think it's a very fair, good portrayal. It doesn't. I mean. You know, there's good guys and bad guys, and it's sure, obviously absolutely. there's people shooting cops, and then there's you know people getting burned up. But at the same time, there's fault all around. Yeah. You know, and and I think it sort of shows that in an, in an honest way, surprisingly honest way. It's I, neat because it's based off of um, one of the survivors' books. Yeah, it's actually yeah. based off two. Yeah, one survivor book, and then the um, the hostage negotiator. Yes. And so I think that's cool that they they took two mm-hmm. diametrically opposed sides to that and and did that together. I think about that as a, a somebody who wrote that teleplay that's very smart to do but it sounds really tough to do as well (laughs) but it does exactly what you mean where you're saying is it like gives you a nice fair balance yeah yeah both sides of it right right and you know if if uh you know a real situation doesn't deserve a fair balance um then it shouldn't be one you know i don't think there should be like what's hitler's side (laughs) but this thing was like you know the government screwed a bunch of stuff up Mm -hmm. and people that were you know predisposed to really not trust the government really didn't trust the government when the government started shooting at them and it just went downhill from there yeah. so it, 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 I think it's a well done story I do too and I love um, what's his face yeah, Taylor Kitsch I was trying to think of his name yeah. he's so good in that he's so good he's yeah. so good in Friday Night Lights I don't know if you guys watched I never that. saw Friday Night Lights I saw him in True Detective where everybody said that that wasn't a good series I mean it, it was the second series yeah. and maybe it wasn't as good as the one before but I still was interested in mm-hmm. it and I was interested in his character and everything like did that. you watch the first season yeah, yeah, oh, yeah I loved that. oh yeah, yeah that was amazing yeah. television yeah that was um, fantastic yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome well that is oh no I have one more question where can readers find more information about you I have a website markgrainybooks.com my last name is G-R-E-A-N-E-Y uh, books.com and they can go there awesome. well great well Mark thank you so much this was my pleasure great. thanks thank a lot I appreciate you coming out and, and good luck with the signing tonight thank you so much I'd like to extend my thanks again to Mark Greeny for joining me today you can find Agent in Place anywhere books are sold Thank you to Ravel and Bethany House Books for their continued support of the podcast. Make sure you stop by freshfiction.com to find out more about Jennifer Delamere's The Heart's Appeal, which is available now. We're still growing, so please help us by rating the podcast, leaving a comment, or even just sharing it on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Fresh Fiction, Instagram as Fresh Fiction, and on Facebook. I'll be back next time with something new to watch, read, and listen to.